You want me to... Oh, look at that. I don't want to bend it. It's not mine. All right. Good morning and uh, welcome to One Church. My name's Sid and my wife, Laura, and our dear friend, Amy, have come to join you from Ingate Stone in Essex. When Talitha said, I wasn't going to tell people where you're from, I thought she meant Ipswich because we're originally from Ipswich. And there's a little tension between the blues and the yellow and greens, but it's, uh, it's all love here this morning. Um, Laura and I are involved in ministry in Essex. We work closely with two Elam churches, Leon C Church, which is in fact the oldest Elam church in the UK or in England. My wife is here correcting me, so when I get stuff wrong, if you see her doing stuff, it's because I've said wrong things. Um, and we work at Ingate Stone as well, and, and Amy helps us with uh, a ministry that we're currently, um, that we've launched a, a four months ago called Believers in Recovery. Amy, turn around and show everyone the Believers in Recovery logo. This is us, yeah. What Believers in Recovery is, is uh, a weekly meeting where we meet and bring people together that don't get enough recovery in their church. And when I say recovery, I mean recovery from all forms of addiction, whether that's drugs, gambling, food, sex, or anything that you might find that the devil offers up for us to become addicted to. Um, so if you don't get enough help with your addiction in church, and this is something that we find, and if you don't get enough church in your recovery program, so we work a 12-step recovery program, the anonymous groups, Narcotics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, all of these same things, but they don't allow you to bring Jesus into that environment. And so if you're walking with Jesus and you're struggling, you're working a 12-step program, it's really tough to fit in in church. And so we offer something that, that brings us in the middle of that. And we'll do a teaching each week. We'll do food, as Talitha said. You know, Jesus exampled for us, eat together, live together, do life together. And, uh, and then we open into a discussion. So where this morning I'm going to bring you a word and you'll love it and then leave. What we do is enable each other to tell each other, I don't understand that, I don't get that. Tell me about this. And we get to sit and discuss God's word. And it's a real blessing. Um, and that's believers in recovery. And that's something that we're passionate about. Um, you know, it is just a, a, a real pleasure to be here, to be here with you this morning. We're grateful that you've invited us here to share God's word with you. Um, and it's uh, at this special time of year, it feels extra special that we're in a Pentecostal church and I'm speaking on the day of Pentecost. What a blessing. Uh, I think I've rambled enough. Let's get on with the message. I think I'll begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning on our knees, humbled by your majesty, Lord. Father, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you soften our hearts, you open our ears, Lord, and I pray that you meet us in this place. Each and every one of us here has come to see you, Lord. We've come to fellowship with each other, but chiefly to, to see you, to spend time with you, to get to know you. So, Lord, we're all on a different path. We're all on a different journey. We're all at different places in our lives. Lord, in your word tells us that you meet us where we are. You meet us on the road that we're on. So, Father, wherever we are, I pray that you meet us in that place. Through this word that you've given me, Lord, I pray that you speak into lives. Lord, I pray that you, that you just bring your face into each and every one of our lives. Lord, I want to say a special prayer for those that came to, came to give their lives to you yesterday. I thank you for, for CFAN 
And I thank you for all of the young people that had so much energy in this city yesterday. We encountered them and they were on fire for you, Lord. And this is a beautiful sight to behold when the Holy Spirit is on fire in a young person. There's nothing like it, Lord. And we thank you and we praise you for the meetings, the lives that are saved, the lives that are changed. Lord, I want to specifically pray that Again, by your spirit, you build us up as Christians and you allow us to walk alongside these young Christians, these newborns and those that have reaffirmed their faith and re-given their lives. Help us to guide them in your spirit. Help us to guide them in Jesus. Help us to lift them up and carry them when they fall, Lord. Help us to be disciple-making disciples. Lord, this is so important. And we can't do this in our own strength. It's in our weakness that you are made strong. So, Lord, I pray that you help us to do that in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. Lord, and that begins right here as we dig into your word, as we share your love with each other. Father, build us up, empower us. Lord, we thank you for being here with us this morning. We thank you that you've brought each and every one of us here, which is exactly where we're supposed to be, Lord. And we praise your mighty name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you'd like to come with me in your Bibles to the second chapter of Acts, the day of Pentecost. And what a beautiful image we have of Peter, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of the gospel with the crowd and seeing 3,000 people come to Christ in one day. Peter had been speaking of Jesus' betrayal his crucifixion, and of how God raised him back to life. So here we are, Acts 2, 22 to 24. Acts 2, 22 to 24 gives us Peter's words to the crowds. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip." Death could not keep its hold on him. Hallelujah. Peter then goes on to say this in verses 32 and 33. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honour in heaven at God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. Verses 37 and 38 tell us that when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41 goes on to say, Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Uh, Talitha told us that 167 people came to give their lives yesterday. 
What a celebration for us here in Norwich, for you guys as Norwichans, to be, to be blessed with Jesus in the lives of these 167 people in one day. Can you imagine what it was like in that place as 3,000 people came to know the Lord? What an impact that must have had on the, on the culture of the area as people began to live out a gospel-based life, as people began to love others, as people began to put others first and live in the ways of Jesus. When we receive the Holy Spirit, amazing things happen. This will be different for us all. For each one of us as we encounter the Holy Spirit, what that amazing looks like will be different. But there's no denying the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when we experience it in our lives. We saw some displays of people going down last night. We were at the event last night and we saw people giving their lives. And we saw the beginning of the transformation that takes place when the Holy Spirit comes in and enters our lives. The Greek language has a special word for this kind of power, dunamis. This is the very word from which we derive our word dynamite, dynamite power. I think you'll understand why the word best describes the power of the Holy Spirit has also been used to describe the power displayed in the explosive forces of dynamite. Like we think of the Holy Spirit as kind of ethereal and and dynamite is like bang, explode. That is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Dynamite is perhaps one of the most powerful substances we know. This is why we use this word to describe dynamite. It comes from the knowledge that the power of the Holy Spirit is akin to that power. Dunamis or dynamite power. I see this power best portrayed or kind of relayed to us in Matthew 3.16. As soon, do you know what? 316, if when you when you walk through scripture, when you come across 316, for some reason God's reserved a special place for this little combination of numbers. John 316, and there are other 316s. When you see a 316, take note and mind out for it. And here's an example of it. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What a beautiful picture. Beautiful scripture. Here we see Jesus' example of receiving the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily because he needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. But he shows us how important this process of baptism is and how powerful the Holy Spirit is. Verse 15 in Matthew 3, the verse just before Jesus' baptism is described, teaches us that Jesus' baptism was about fulfilling all righteousness. That's what the scripture says. Righteousness is a long word that basically describes our right standing with God. Righteousness, we've come to understand it a little bit differently in our language today, but ultimately it means right standing with God. And if you dig deep down into what it actually means, in line with God's moral code, in line with 
God's imprint on our hearts. Righteousness, being in right standing with God. And this is access, this, this right standing, this relationship with God is accessed through receiving the Holy Spirit in baptism as we publicly declare our allegiance to him through the process of baptism. God is pleased when we do this. It says that this is my son with whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And this is how he feels when we enter into the water, when we wash away our old self. Amy, you've recently experienced this. When our old self was washed away and we emerge full of the Holy Spirit, clean, washed clean, righteous effectively. When I consider my own walk of faith, my own journey with God, with Jesus, my Lord and Saviour, with the Holy Spirit, I find it so encouraging to read on that Jesus himself showed me the way by receiving the Holy Spirit in this same way that I did. I remember my own baptism, my celebration. When we read what happens next, the importance and the significance of Jesus receiving the power of the Holy Spirit becomes evident. So often in Scripture, I find myself and I find others taking a piece of Scripture and drawing from it without looking at what happened around it. When we look at Jesus' baptism, we see the way that it prepared him for everything. Before Jesus enters his ministry, before he preaches and teaches, before he calls his first disciples, before he begins to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders, he is tested by Satan. Chapter 4, verse 1 in Matthew actually says this. This blew my mind when I came to really see this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit that he'd just received in his baptism led him into the desert to be tested and tempted by the devil. Like We think of the Holy Spirit as something that guides us lovingly, and it is. The Holy Spirit actually took Jesus to the desert for this incredible test. What I find with the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. Often what we need is not what we want. And I imagine for Jesus, what he wanted wasn't to go and spend 40 days and 49s in the wilderness. At his most hungry and most vulnerable, Jesus fasted for the 40 days and the 40 nights. I could not manage that. I get mad hangry if I miss my dinner. I can't even begin to imagine what 40 days and 40 nights without food would be like. At his most hungry and most vulnerable, he must have been weak. It must have been really tough after 40 days and 40 nights without any food. At his most hungry and his most vulnerable, Jesus then faces the best the devil has or the worst the devil has, depending on which way you want to look at it. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God the Father, he stands against the forces of evil. So at his weakest, at his most vulnerable, he is able to stand up to all that the devil has for him. As someone that's walked a path of darkness, I know that alone I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. I, I have to have 
Jesus with me. I have to have the power of the Holy Spirit if I'm going to stand against the wily forces of darkness. What happens, Matthew 4 verse 11 simply says this, Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. It is written, is the response, and the devil flees. When faced with Christ, when faced with the Holy Spirit, the devil flees. What an amazing example of the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. From this point forward, Jesus enters his ministry. Now he is equipped and ready to go. You know, so often when we give our lives, and this is why I've made a bit of a point this morning about talking about how we need to get alongside these newborn Christians. Because as we give our lives, we rise on the devil's hit list, if you like. And he comes for us at that moment when we give our lives, when we make a fresh commitment, it's then that we're at our most vulnerable. It's then that we need other Christians to come in and to support us and to walk with us, to encourage us and to guide us. And it's the Holy Spirit that equips all of us to do that for one another and to look out for these guys in the city centre that gave their lives last night. And for all of us, the experience early on will be different. For some, the experience of encountering and receiving the Holy Spirit will be a loud, action-filled moment. We've been to events where you hear people wailing and crying and some people speak in tongues and some people flap out on the floor and, and it's incredible what happens when the Holy Spirit gets hold of someone. For all of us, this will be different. Some will laugh, some will cry. For me, it was just an inner sense that something really special has happened. It wasn't an outward display. I don't know if that's part of my inbuilt pride or my caring too much about what people think, but it was just, hang on, something really powerful has happened. It's something really special has taken place. For some people, their lives will change immediately. And past addictions and struggles and physical ailments will simply fall away as the power of the Holy Spirit really takes hold. For me, it was a far more gradual thing. God knows each and every one of us intimately and personally. He knows the number of hairs on our head, regardless of how few or how many that might be. He knows exactly what we need and he knows when we need it. He knows you. He knows me. He knows every intricate step that we've ever taken. Every time we've cried, every time we've struggled, every time we've laughed, he has been right by our side and he knows us more than we know ourselves. For me, my journey needed to be long and painful if I was really going to learn from it. But he also knew that I would need the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit if I was going to make it through the temptations and trials of the devil. I became a follower of Christ whilst in prison. A lot of my prison sentences were actually done down the road from here at Knox Road. We went there yesterday and, you know, it was a really powerful experience. Laura was in tears sitting there in the car park as I prayed for the guys that were in prison now. I could see the wing where I'd spent years of my life. I could see another wing where I'd experienced negative things. I could see the windows. 
when the whole world celebrated 1999 ticking over 2000, remember when we all thought our computers were going to explode and the whole world celebrated with fireworks? I was stood on a Victorian sink, peering over a window through bars, watching the world just celebrate. In my dark little dungeon, in my cell, all alone, watching everybody have a great time. That prison holds some really powerful memories for me. And we sat there and we prayed. It, it, it makes me, like if I had hairs, they'd be standing on end. It makes me feel all just thinking about it and thinking of how we sat there and prayed for the prison guards. As we were sitting praying, visitors came streaming out and it took me back to prison visits. And it was a really powerful experience to pray for the guys in that prison. The darkness that hangs over the place is palpable when you sit there. My actual salvation took place having been transferred from Norwich to Wayland Prison in Thetford. You know how strange but amazing it is that I find myself standing here in front of you, sharing God's work, sharing what the Holy Spirit has done in my life, just 1.7 miles from the prison where I've spent so many years. That is dunamis power. That is dynamite power to bring me from drugs and stealing and crime and prison to here sharing God's word with you wonderful people. Like that is Holy Spirit power right there, dynamite power. I was born in Ipswich into a strong Christian family. So in truth, the seed was planted by my wonderful parents. And they are wonderful parents. My dad has now gone to be with the Lord, but my mum is still going to church, still diligent. They had house churches, young people around. They'd sing songs and pray, and I'd think they were really weird when I was in the kitchen pinching biscuits. But they sowed a seed into my life. I became familiar with some of the songs that we still sing. And I became familiar with prayer and the moral compass that the Holy Spirit gives us. Somehow they imprinted that on me, even though I chose to reject it. You know what? I'm not even sure that I made a conscious choice to reject it. I was just kind of carried along on a sea of social compliance with my mates wanting to be cool, wanting to be one of the lads, and I felt that that wasn't cool. And, and, and I, I, I turned my back on it. I wanted to fit in and, and, and gain that acceptance that so many of us desperately seek in our lives, in whatever form that might be, in, in our workplaces, in society. We want to be seen as, I don't know, cool is probably not the right word, but just fitting in. We want to be liked. We want to be, uh, you know, I think social media has tapped into this innate desire to be liked with its bling and its little round dots and its likes and all of the rest of it. It's really, it's really dangerous. I was expelled from school early and the behaviours that got me expelled continued outside of school. A life of breaking rules and breaking laws, a life of thrill-seeking and mischief soon turned into serious lawlessness, and the next thing is prison. Break the law and you go to prison, it's kind of a given, really. Over the course of about 20 years, I collected over 100 criminal convictions, well over 100 criminal convictions, and I spent many years behind bars. When a young, impressionable man goes into prison, I was 17 when I first went into prison, 
The sad reality is that he will encounter hard drugs. Our prisons are full of darkness, and drugs is just part of that. I mean, in a strange way, it's almost more understandable. The guys in prison are, I think they're banged up 23 hours a day. They're locked up 23 hours a day. And for me, at that point, drugs was a better option than sitting there looking at a wall for 23 hours a day. In a world that is full of beautiful things, it's not such a smart decision, and I don't even think it's a smart decision in jail, but I can see how people make that decision in that enclosed environment. I'd smoked weed and smoked hash and done some party drugs, but I'd never really tried anything to the sort of drugs that I encountered when I was in prison. Following my first prison sentence, I was released and found myself getting into even more trouble. For some reasons, for some people, they'll go to prison and they'll be so frightened by it that one of my friends that I went to prison with tried to take his own life in the cell next to me on the first night. Another guy on the same wing actually succeeded in killing himself. And yet, for some, that was so frightening and so scary they were never going to do anything that might take them there again. For me, I came out thinking I was tough and I was all that because I'd survived and I was someone. And it just made me worse, if anything. But we all respond differently to different situations. I found myself getting into that cycle of drugs, crime, prison, round and round and round, until the day came when I cried out to God. And like, I'll say that in one sentence, but know that that was a lot of years, a lot of crime, a lot of drugs, a lot of pain, a lot of hurting the people that are in my family, in, in and around the community that I lived in as I stole from people. I could burgled houses and broke into cars and committed fraud and sold drugs. And there's a lot of people that get impacted by that behaviour. And so I stand here, you know, like... I sound here ashamed, really. I regret the things I do, that I did. But I'm a sinner. We are all sinners. We all fall short. And in God's eyes, when we come to the cross full of repentance, he forgives. He sent his son to die on the cross so that we could access forgiveness. That's what it's about. And it's important that I don't carry that around. I look back and I wish that it could have been different, but I recognise it's who's made me I am today, and God forgives. And that's so important, because there's so much anxiety and depression, and some of it is around what we've been through, what we've experienced, what we've exposed others to. And God wants you to know that he forgives you, and he loves you. So important. I met a really cool prison chaplain named Nick Tivy in Wayland Prison shortly after being transferred from Norwich, and things changed vastly from that point forward. Having said the prayer of salvation, I started to experience the Holy Spirit at work in my life. But this is not where the story ends. I struggled and battled with the forces of darkness for many, many years afterwards. I gave my life in 2005 and continued to struggle with drugs whilst going to church, whilst praising, I would sneak off and I'd be using drugs. It was a, 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 an inbuilt behaviour pattern that I really, really struggled to shake free from. And for me, it wasn't an overnight thing. It's because people got around me. It's because people 
forgave me and loved me and walked with me in the way that I'm encouraging you guys to do around these guys that have given their lives. Because it's not easy, you know. Sometimes it's not just overnight. It can be years and years of continuing to lie and cheat and let you down. And it's painful and it's hurtful. But it's what we're asked to do. It's what the Lord asks us to do. Seven times 77. That's effectively forever. Infinity is what that number represents. You know, I wonder how many of those 3,000 that were saved on the day of Pentecost went on to struggle and wobble through life after that amazing day. And we, are, we can only imagine, but we, we hear of the celebration of the 3,000 that were saved. We don't think about the walk that went on of how they will have walked with each other. Some will have fallen away, some will have struggled some will have been stronger and lifted them up and carried them in the way that we need to do in our world today. What the temptation and the struggle looked like after that initial encounter, we will never know. What we do know is that they received the power of the Holy Spirit so we can rest in the knowledge that whatever they went through after that day, they were not alone. The songs today were beautiful, talked about prison walls coming down, you are not alone, chains breaking. Like it's, I love it when, when I come somewhere and I write a message and the songs fit. It's like someone's looked at my notes when they've chosen the songs. And someone has. God has looked at the notes. God gave me the notes and God gave you the songs. There's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. The life of a Christian is not always easy. For some reason... For some, sorry, the transformation begins and takes hold with a bolt of lightning and life is instantly different. For others like me, it's a far more gradual process. It will, of course, be different for all of us and that's why God's word is so amazing. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, it speaks right into each of our individual lives on a daily basis. When you open your Bible, it's God's way of speaking to you in your moment, in this day, in your struggle, in your triumph, in your celebration. And each day he can speak to you in a different way through this incredible book that is so much more than a literary compilation of letters and accounts. It's God's breathed word and it speaks into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether the process of sanctification is swift or sluggish, it is God-ordained, and that means it is absolutely perfect for you. So your process, much like mine, was long because I'm hard-headed and stubborn. I needed to be kicked about for a bit until I really learned my lesson. God knows all of us individually. He knows what you need to learn your lesson. I've often heard the process of sanctification likened to the purifying process that gold goes through after it is dug out of the ground. Some gold has more impurities in it than others. And as the gold is taken from the ground, it's spoiled with lots of other kinds of metals as the forming process has happened. What God does and what the gold refiner does is heat the metal and burns away the impurities until it leaves nothing but shiny, pure, perfect gold. And that's what God does through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Maybe I had more impurities. That's why I needed 13 years worth of heating and burning. And you will all be different. But as he takes away these impurities, you become more and more like Jesus, pure gold. And God's reflected in that shiny, beautiful surface that is gold. Now, I know me and I know very well 
that if my process had been a quickie, I'd have abused it. I needed my process to be lengthy. It was not necessarily the process that I wanted, but it was the process that I needed. And here we find ourselves again. The Holy Spirit gives us what we need and not what we want. For me, the power of the Holy Spirit is evident in my life. The dynamite power of the Holy Spirit gives me the power to live a godly life. A life shaped and guided by the gentle hand of the Holy Spirit. The dynamite power of the Holy Spirit lovingly guides me, a selfish sinner, to put other people first. I'm self-centred. My sinful nature makes me think of me first. When the Holy Spirit comes in, it makes me think of others first. It puts others first. It enables me to live a life of serving others. When before, I just lived to serve myself. Everything I did was about me. And finally, and maybe most importantly, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit equips me to serve God. And I do this by sharing his love, his grace and his mercy in this very dark, very lost world. I do this by sharing the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Mark 16, 15 reads like this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation." It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that I live. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that I'm able to respond to this great commission and go into all the world and share the gospel to all creation. This Holy Spirit that we receive that enables us to go out and to preach the good news is the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the tomb. The very same Holy Spirit that had the power to bring Jesus from the dead, raise Lazarus from the dead, turn water into wine, part the seas. It's the same Holy Spirit that we have in our lives today. Romans 8.11 says this, and this is where I'm going to finish. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in you and he lives in me. It's the same Holy Spirit. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in within you. Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, Lord, I don't know where each and every person in this room is on their journey with you. If they're on a journey with you, Lord, I just pray that you, by your Spirit, you touch every person in this room whether they've walked with you since they were a child, whether they met you yesterday, whether they are yet to meet you. Lord, I pray that you enter into their hearts. Those that don't know Christ, I pray that you ask him in. If you are out there, close your eyes with me. Ask him to come in. Ask him to make himself known to you. Lord, speak into the lives of all of us. Help us to draw on your Holy Spirit and to carry out that great commission. Holy Spirit, I ask that you seek us out, that you search out the impurities within us, that you heat us up and you bring us to be more in line with Christ. Father, we thank you for today. 
We thank you for this celebration of you. We thank you that we get to join this wave with you freely. Lord, I thank you for last night, and I thank you for all that's gone on over these past days. Father, I ask you to be with us throughout the rest of today. I ask you to be with us in the shared lunch. And I just ask your Holy Spirit to be present in our lives. Lord, I want to say a special prayer. Lord, come into the lives of anyone here that doesn't know Lord Jesus. Come into their lives and guide them to somebody in the leadership team here. Somebody that has a longer walk with you. Somebody that can say that sinner's prayer with them. That sinner's prayer that is as simple as, Lord, I give my life to you. I want you to be Lord. Come into my life and guide me by your Holy Spirit. Lord, just touch hearts, touch minds, touch souls. Father, bring us close to you. Draw us close to you as we walk out our daily lives. Help us to do that to your glory by your Spirit. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Thank you. Wow, thank you very much.